Yo, what's happening, everybody? This is Jerome Thornton checking in from the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. And, uh, you know what? Today, I am um, getting away from my normal day-to-day conversations about, you know, about what's happening in the media uh, with different, you know, things going on. I guess Joe Budden has some things going on. Charlamagne the God has some things going on. Uh, Kwame Brown has some things going on. Russell Simmons, Tasha Kay, Kevin Samuels, you name it. Um, a big part of my podcast is about, you know, different things that's going on in, in the world, sports, fashion, music. Even though I haven't did an album review in a while, I still like to do that. You know what I'm saying? Trinidad James had a very, very interesting um interview on drink champs you know what i'm saying i mean i've always viewed trinidad james as a a hustler you know what i'm saying and that's exactly what it is and actually on today's date i was actually going to be discussing the uh drink champs interview but there was a match that was lit up under me today by a group of people I'm not going to mention their names. Um, They're some Facebook friends of mine, but, you know, let's just say that we agree to disagree on a few things. And basically the conversation was, was how much money are you going to pay in regards to actually renting a home for 30 years? And how much money are you going to pay actually buying a home for 30 years? And of course, you know, the term was, would you rather rent or buy? Now, let's be honest. Most mortgages are 30 years. Very few people get mortgages for 15 years. Very fewer people, you know, get mortgages for 20 years, 10 years and five years, even though it's done. And me being. I would say I wouldn't. Yeah, I would say a well-educated African-American, especially when it comes down to uh, statistics and different data that compare whites to blacks in regards to financial situations and achieving um, fair scores as in regards to credit when it comes down to cars, housing in this specific topic. And lo and behold, I ran into a whole lot of, I would say, very, very smart, well-educated people as well. And these people have bought homes. One guy stated that he is 46. And within his 46 years, that would mean within the last 25 years, which is an average of eight years, he's bought three homes. So I said, you know what? I'm I'm thinking I'm like, good job. But, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the situation. And I was like, you know what? I would much rather, me, myself, personally, pay cash for a home. And specifically, I live in Illinois, the great state of Illinois. And for the most part, these people went crazy. Like, paying cash? Who does that? And X, Y, Z. So... They started to go all off into this tangent about how much they bought their home for, 
One person stated that they bought their home for $446,000 and their home is now appraised for $100,000 more. And I was like, hey, that's great. You know, that's that's fine. So another person came to state, um, say that, well, you know, buying a home is outrageous and cash because, of course, you're going to be cash strapped if an emergency comes along, especially if you have repairs. And I'm like, well, you know, that's true. You know, so they were like, so are you saying that you still rather would buy a home in cash? And I'm like, 100 percent. So then they asked me, what are you basing this off of? So this is when the conversation started to take a turn. You know, a lot of people start to mention equity. And appreciation and, you know, all of these fancy real estate terms. And of course, they were looking at this based off of what they purchased their home for. Right. So to me, me being. I would say I wouldn't even consider myself middle class. I'm lower middle class and I'm single and I don't have any kids. Right. A lot may think that may equivalent to me saving a lot of money, but I have it. I'm just keeping it real with y'all. But I had an opportunity to buy me a house cash and I did. I'm not going to go into how much the, my house costs, but I did. And it's mine and it's paid for. And I'm currently rehabbing my own home. It's not easy. But here's what's really going on. In actuality. When you're buying a home, you shouldn't quadruple the amount that you're buying your home for. So say, for instance, if you're buying it, if you're making $30,000 and you have good credit, you shouldn't go out and buy a $90,000 home. That's just my opinion. What you should do is to buy from anywhere from a $45,000 to a $50,000 home. So if you even even if you have bad credit, right, with your insurance and your property taxes, as well as your mortgage, you'll still be able to pay for it. But what's going on is was what they don't know is what I knew is, is that I worked in the loss mitigation department at HSBC for two and a half years. And when the real estate bubble happened, I seen it firsthand. And, you know, all of these people on the on the post were. Basically trying to make it seem like I'm uneducated. I didn't know what I was talking about. It was like, yeah, you know, you should always um, borrow the money so that way you can use other people's money. And I'm like, hey, look, you're not using other people's money in real estate. Once you borrow that, that's yours. That house is yours. You're on the hook for that. So that four hundred and forty six thousand dollars that this lady was talking about. Guess what? Her income to debt ratio just went through the fucking roof. Not to mention if she has, we've already talked about the property taxes and home insurance, two car notes, light bill, water bill, gas bill. That means that her and her husband are going to have to be doing pretty goddamn well for themselves in the range of about 200 and some thousand. Now, all of this craziness is that she, well, she did state that she was paying 2000 
$2,245, no, $2,245 for her mortgage. What she don't know that I know is, is that guess what? If one, if either of them lose their job, then guess what? Their house is in fucking jeopardy. Immediately, they are going to have to burn through their savings. So, from an example, say for instance, if you have two people that are making $30,000, this is what I put out. They've been on their job for X amount of years. They have what's called a nest egg. See, they're thinking that I was thinking that these people were going to just have about because I had mentioned, you know, in places like North Carolina, Lithonia, Georgia, different other places that you could actually buy a home. Tennessee, specifically, you could buy a home for seventy thousand dollars. Louisiana. South Carolina, you could buy a nice home. Seventy thousand cash. Do you know how many people and how many real estate agents would be? I mean, jumping up out of the air. To deal with you or you could buy foreclosure cash 70,000. I mean, the, the offers are going to just start just jumping up out of the whoa, 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 whoa. They're going to just start jumping up out of nowhere. This person has cash. OK, fine. But they were thinking that I was saying 70K in the bank. No, there's other ways to finance real estate deals. And one of the main ones, especially if you're married, you could go into your 401k and pull out money for real estate purposes. You can. So just based upon that, I noticed how ignorant they were or how dumb they were just trying to make me look. But back to the story. So say, for instance, you and your wife or you and your husband are making $60,000 worth a year. You all see a home. You all have been at your job a piece 10 years for 10 years. You all see a home that's within five miles away from you. Let's just say, for instance, you live in the hood. You're paying $900 a month, $700 a month in a year. And you've probably been living at the same place nine or 10 years. No, let's just say five years. $700 a month for five years. That's $8,400. Times five, that's $42,000. So just based off of that, if you see a home for $45,000 and in five years you didn't pay $42,000 and you could go into, you and your wife both can go in, into your 401k and pull out twenty two five. And come to the table and say, hey, I'll pull out thirty five thousand and come to the table and say, hey, look, we're going to buy this house for forty five and we're going to invest another. Thirty thousand into it. Now. What would be wrong with that? Because immediately off the top, you're saving yourself eighty four hundred dollars a year. See, people, people think people think in these days and ages that a mortgage is a security blanket. No, it's not. 
A mortgage is a financial instrument that you use to acquire assets. But what's going on is, is that people are using the mortgage instrument to acquire homes for the next 20 and 30 years. You don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 or 30 years. We don't know what's going to happen within the next six months from now. And I reminded them that we've been in several housing bubbles where the land, where the property of land goes up and it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. So say, for instance, that that premature equity that she was leaning, that, that she was talking about, that 100K, within the next two years, her house could be upside down. Because guess what? She bought at the top of the market. Now, let's bring everything back together. Let's just say, for instance, neither one of them loses their job. And their house is upside down. But one of them got sick. One of them was disabled. For whatever reason, they had a bad car accident. Or lo and behold, one of them passed away. And they didn't have term insurance to cover the mortgage. Then what? You know what? That damn 45000 don't look so bad. Now do it. You better believe it. The reason why I'm putting this out. And the reason why I thought that it was so important to put this on the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast, volume number 77, is because you know what? We as a people, as soon as we get some money, the first thing we want to do is we want to go to buy the, buy the biggest house, the nicest car, and the most flashiest clothes. But we're over leveraging our money. Right. That 30,000 could have got them a $90,000 house with a 30 year mortgage. They would end up paying them the 300 and some thousand for 30 years. They're not looking at the big picture. And this dude is sitting up here bragging, talking about that he has another mortgage and he's 46. So when the hell do you plan on paying off the mortgage? When you 70, do you think your earn? do we really think that his earning power now is going to be the same thing at 70 years old? You better start buying, acquiring some of these cheap properties versus trying to buy something that's a half a million. It's the same dirt that's up under the ground. Now, there are some drawbacks in regards to buying in the hood. Me, myself, personally, I wouldn't give a damn if I had a million dollars. I would never leave the hood. I would leave a low key. I'm going to be cool. I'm not finna. I'm just, I don't, I don't think I have it in me to do it. You see what I'm saying? Unless my wife come to me and say, you know what, Jerome? Hey, look, they shooting over here. Our kids need to be in a better school or something like that. You know what, baby? Do you think that we could just, you know what I'm saying? Move to a better location. I'm not finna have us in the roughest side of the hood. But we finna be where the prestigious black people at. I'm not with going to help somebody else build up the fucking neighborhood. So that way they could put a mobile gas station and another um, 
in another strip mall in another grocery store there. That's not what the point is, y'all. The point is, is that if our people, once we level up, if we stay right where we at, all of this shit can be right where we at. And we can build it ourselves. If we learn how to re, if we get, regain knowing how to pool our resources. So I'm going to encourage you all to invest, to invest in real estate. And if you can, don't make that big jump right away. There's something that's called a starter home. And I guess partner, he did have it. And him and his family, they are flourishing. I'm not hating no dude. But I guess I really, really took a big offense to him just shooting down my idea that people shouldn't buy homes in cash. It was it was the most asinine thing that I ever heard because back in the day, that's what black people did. They bought land. You see what I'm saying? My grandfather bought his land. He was an owner of his own land and that property and that house is still in our family today. Years ago, almost 90 some years ago, yeah. Ain't no day of mortgage on that. Only thing we got to do, only thing what your concern is, if you really buy a house in cash, is you're going to have to pay for home insurance and you're going to have to pay your property taxes. That damn show be paying a bank for the next 30 damn years. Right? So now one last thing, one last thing that I did want to, that I did want to talk about that I seen today that really, it really touched my spirit. And because I'm not going to even lie for the first time I had a conversation uh, with a woman and she was so down to earth, a beautiful woman, educated woman, smart woman. I met her in um, Menards. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm playing my garden. Y'all already know. You know what I'm saying? Hey, and um, I'm playing my garden, man. And, you know, it's 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 coming along. You know what I'm saying? But I noticed that she had a rake and um, she was getting some other things. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, I'm, I'm really on it. Low-key, I'm really trying to flirt with her. No doubt about it. You know what I'm saying? So I asked her, I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Um, what you getting the rakes for? What you getting all this stuff for? She was like, yo, you know, I'm... I'm raking my yard. I got some yard work to do this, that, and the third. And I'm like, man, you doing this yourself? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, really and truly, like, that's not what's happening. You know what I'm saying? I mean, me, you know what I'm saying? Me and my uncle, we can help you. And she was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know. So make a long story short, she she's from Haiti, right? She lives in the same area that I live in. And, uh, you know, like, we had a really, really great conversation. And uh, she's a homeowner, right? She owns her home. I'm not exactly sure if she bought it outright or whatnot, but she's a homeowner. She she has a duplex, this, that, and the third. Okay, cool. So, um, I seen today. Okay, hold on. Let me take my time. I think this was in 2010. There was a very horrific um 
tornado that was um that was in Haiti, right? And as a result of that, Haitians, a lot of Haitians were displaced. It was a really, really bad time uh, for that. Just period. I'm not really in tune with the Haitian African diaspora. I have did some studies, right? And a lot of the reasons why I didn't actually get too far is because um, because of because of a, a religious aspect. Um, you know, because a lot of Haitians practice. Quote unquote, I don't know. Practice voodoo. I'm Christian. We've always been told that voodoo is bad. I've always stayed away from it. Whatever. But, you know, um, Haiti, as well as Africa, uh, voodoo is practiced. As, an, as a matter of fact, at one point in time, there was a national religion of, um, and it may still be in Brazil. And a whole lot of other South American companies, uh, South American countries where there is a large uh, population of African enslaved descents. OK, so make a long story short. How many people know who the dreamers are just by a show of hands? Right. And I want to let you all know. What the dreamers mean, okay, in the States, the development, relief, education for alien minors act known as the Dreamers Act. It is a United States legislation proposal to graduate or to legislate temporary conditional residency in the United States with the right to work to unauthorized immigrants who enter the United States as minors and if they later satisfy for the qualifications they will have the opportunity to become naturalized citizens okay now I want to let you all know why am I actually speaking about Haiti amongst this Okay, so this was January 12th of 2010. Um, Haiti had an actual earthquake that was catastrophic. Um, it was like a 7.0. And it pretty much destroyed the entire country. And as a result of that, a lot of Haitians were displaced. Now, mind you, these people have been displaced for... Pretty much a decade now. And there hasn't been. A whole lot of push. To make them into naturalized citizens. Within the United States. Um, this just came out that. Joe Biden has. Exercised, uh, I would say. The. I think it's. TFP, TSP, TSP, temporary staying p 
petitioner. I'm going to get this information. But for 100,000 Haitians. Okay. And this was done as of today to give. And, and, and also. This was just temporary to give them opportunity to go back to Haiti. And I guess what my thing is, is that. Um, I guess what what makes them any different from a dreamer at this point in time? Everyone knows that the infrastructure in Haiti is obsolete. It's corruption. Um, it is. It's just a bad situation altogether. But I'm just going to read you all some information here. Biden will allow Haitian immigrants. In the U.S. to obtain temporary protective status. OK, for individuals without nationality who resided in Haiti and who were in the U U.S. as of May 21st, the Biden administration will grant more than 100,000 Haitians in the U.S. the opportunity to gain temporary protective status, shielding them from deportation and allowing them to obtain permits. Now, see. This is when. I guess that I get on some bullshit. And I say, dang, man. When Hispanics or Mexican people say that they're coming over to better their life. It's viewed as acceptable. It's almost viewed as a rite of passage. But if Haitians are doing the same exact thing. These people are looked down upon. And also, they're automatically asked to go back. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going with that, because at first. Well, really and truly, I've always been torn apart with immigration because I've never looked at Mexico as a struggling country. It's places in Mexico that is struggling like Juarez, Texas. That's on the border of the United States. And I'm like, wow. So why won't these uh, Mexican people migrate more north? Versus risking their lives coming through the American border. You know, of Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, different different areas. I mean, I've always thought about it, you know, and I'm also going to do some deep diving studies in regards to that as well. But it seems as though that. Man, if people from Jamaica. Or uh, Belize or any of these countries, if they try to come to the United States or uh, Tobago. Man, if they try to come to the United States, man. They're not looked they're not looked at as the same. And there is not a whole lot of leniency going on. But then again, though, I'm just I'm just saying this today from a Haitian standpoint. So y'all get up with me on this, man. I'd like to thank y'all for tuning in to the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast today. We're on volume number 
76, no, 77 of the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. Man, I got listener support. I really do need y'all for y'all to start, um, you know, supporting the channel, man. Let me know, providing some feedback. You know what I'm saying, man? You know, to become an actual supported listener, it's only $5 a month. That's less than 15, 15 cents per day. So, man, I really do a thank y'all for taking the time to uh, just uh, build with me, if you will. Thanks again for tuning in to the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. Y'all have a great day.